You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. Welcome. Broadcasting live from Cal State University in Fullerton. I want to thank the Center for Entrepreneurship for being our host today. We're at the Business School in beautiful Mahalo Hall. I want to thank all of you for coming out this evening, making this a part of your uh, learning event. My name is Rick Franzi. I'm the host of Critical Mass Radio Show, and this is our speaker series. And the goal for this show is to help you in the audience and you listening to us live today and maybe as a podcast in the future to improve your decision-making skills. Our show is brought to you by our advertisers who are Center Club, Community Bank, Decision Toolbox, Executive Unlimited, MBN Design, SNH Rubber, Strategic Market Intelligence, Succession Strategies, SunUp Group, and Company, Tone Software, Turn Up the Volume, and UPS Protection. Can I have a round of applause for our advertisers? <laughs> the goal... If, you, if you'd like to connect with me on LinkedIn, if you're here in the audience live tonight, you'd like to, get your smartphone out. I'm Richard Rick Franzi on LinkedIn. My Twitter handle is CEO Peer Groups. Feel free to join in the conversation on Twitter. We would appreciate that. And if you'd like to load the radio show so that you get the regular updates... Open up your favorite podcasting software, type in Critical Mass Radio Shows, and you'll be able to automatically get downloads of our weekly shows for your listening pleasure. All right, let's take a look at the wonderful panel that we're honored to have here today, and I'm just going to start with the person that's closest to me and ask them just to give a brief introduction and a little bit of back about their background. The first person that I'd like to introduce is Tommy Lee Gill. Can I have a round of applause for Tommy Lee Gill? Tommy is CEO and founder of Executives Unlimited. Tommy, can you give us a little bit about your professional background, please? Sure. Thank you, Rick, and thank you for uh, inviting me to come here tonight. It's a pleasure. Uh, I started Executives Unlimited in 2001, four years after I joined the company. I was uh, uh, given the opportunity to acquire the company. Uh, Since that time, we have served a number of industries, uh, manufacturing, distribution, healthcare, for-profit education, not-for-profit education, uh, recycling, environmental, and have had a great time doing it. So we're all about relationships and connecting leaders. Thank you for giving tonight and being here. Let's give it again for Tommy Lee. For those of you that are in the audience or maybe as you're watching us on YouTube when we have our videos because we're videotaping this and we're going to be putting this up on YouTube on our YouTube channel and in the future, you're going to see the next person sitting beside Tommy Lee is Darcy Harris. Darcy is the founder and CEO of her own firm, Dar- DarcyHarris.com. Darcy, can you talk a little bit about your background? Sure. Hi, Rick, and thank you for having me here. Glad to see everybody. I have spent the last 16 years of my career working almost exclusively with women entrepreneurs and executives. In 1998, I founded a company called EWF International. We created and facilitated peer advisory groups specifically for women entrepreneurs and executives. I sold that company last year so that I could move back to California and work with Rick to create peer advisory groups here in Orange County, California, and along the way I created um, a portfolio of e-courses for women entrepreneurs, which is called the Alpha Mare Academy. Give it up for Darcy Harrison. Thank you for being here, Darcy. 
Franz Dixon-Helfler is our next panelist. And Franz, if you would mind, give us a quick background your sure. experience. Thanks a lot, Rick, for uh, the invitation to be here. And you got my last name wrong. It's Helfer. I'm France, and my background is very different than the other women we just heard from. I'm over 30 years in the medical device industry, most of those as a senior C-level executive. I am a serial entrepreneur. I've uh, started five companies as a serial entrepreneur, and that's a, taking a company from the concept all the way through launch, sales, revenue, and then an exit of some kind. And I'm a... Um, started as a biochemist, but I have a background in business, corporate development, and so forth. I've worked for Fortune 500 companies, middle, uh, mid-size companies, startups, emerging growth. I've invested personally as an angel investor over half a million dollars myself, and I have raised over $50 million for my companies. Um, I am an alumni of Cal State University Fullerton. <laughs> Very proud very proud of what this school did to start me off. I'm a frequent presenter, keynote speaker, etc. at a lot of universities. I do a lot of work for, besides this school, Chapman, UCLA, and UC Irvine. And um, I'm proud to be here. France, thank you for being here. Give it up for France. And last but not least is John Bradley Jackson. We can call him JJ for the rest of the show. You don't mind, do you? You know, that'll work, yeah. yeah. Okay, so John, JJ is our host as well. He is the director for the Center for Entrepreneurship here at Cal State University Fullerton. Can you give us a little bit about your professional background, JJ? Yeah, absolutely. And JJ works just fine. There are a lot of John Jacksons in the world, but most have bad credit, I've uh, determined. <laughs> so I started out in Silicon Valley, and it was during the 80s, and it was really a spectacular time. I, I had no idea how privileged I was to be there meeting and working with all these people who would later just make not just millions, but billions of dollars. I didn't. But uh, beyond that, I, uh, I moved from uh, high technology into the capital markets, and I was on Wall Street helping companies go public, doing mergers and acquisitions, uh, hostile tender offers, things like that. So I learned about greed with a capital G. And I was much like a, a Boy Scout amongst gangbangers is the, is the <laughs> truth. But uh, about uh, 13 years ago, I pulled the ripcord away from traditional corporate, started doing startups, started my own company, and I uh, came back to Fullerton saying, wouldn't it, cool, wouldn't it be cool to teach? And they said, yes, it is cool. And, uh, and I've been here ever since. So today I'm a full-time professor in the classroom. I'm director of the Center for Entrepreneurship, of which I'm very, very proud of. And entrepreneurship, it's a way of thinking. It's about how you do things. And every day is just a grand experiment. And that's what we're trying to instill in our students. And we have two things tonight to tell you about. One is our learning uh, method is called applied learning. And our students go in the field and consult with local companies. And a number of the students are actually in the room tonight. And it's a tremendous learning experience. And we're looking for companies right now who would like to have a student team help them solve a problem. Come catch me at the break if that's you. Additionally, we just opened an incubator in downtown Placentia in partnership with the city. Uh, we started three resident firms this week. And our hope is to help those firms 
find a viable business model and make a bunch of money. And, and you know what? And do good for our community. Can I uh, ask you to give a round of applause for JJ and the entire panel? Thank you. I'm very excited about the title of tonight's show. It's Successful Women and How They Think Differently in Business. When we came up in our <coughs> planning session with this concept, I thought, wow, this should be an exciting conversation, but we need to have the right people in the room who can help us to understand this topic. And I want to thank the producing team, Asia, the entire t staff to help me to bring together some people who I think really have credibility to talk about this topic. The topic again, successful women and how they think differently in business. So I'd like to start by asking the female panelists this question. What characteristic quality do you believe has led to your success? And France, I'm going to start with you and then we'll come Darcy. And sorry to exclude you from the first question, John, but it just doesn't seem appropriate. Okay, all right. Thank okay. You. We're all good with that? Okay. Sure. The, to me, business success is being recognized by your peers and for your accomplishments. And I know I have that. For a woman, I think that is a lot different. And tenacity is one of those. Confidence is, is one of those. But again, being recognized by my own peers. And now I'm doing a lot of mentoring and seeing those young people that I mentor achieve, achieve their goals is also success to me. Thank you. Darcy, would you like to build on that, please? Well, I think for me personally, the, the personal quality that led to my own success had a lot to do with self-awareness, and um, that was something that I worked very hard to develop in myself. I recognized fairly early in my career that I would not be happy in a large corporate environment. And um, in fact, I'm pretty sure I would have been fired <laughs> because I tend to be somewhat opinionated. So I tend to gravitate more towards smaller, uh, more grassroots environment. And um, so consequently, I ended up working for a grassroots nonprofit organization that was very meaningful to me. I had a personal tragedy in my own life and decided if I had to work, and I did, that I wanted to do something that was very meaningful. So that self-awareness. I think was a, a big factor in my own success. Thank you, Darcy. And last but not least, Tommy Lee Gill. Well, I guess for me, success has um, been measured with my passion. Uh, I have a passion for life, a passion for relationships. I enjoy connecting people. Um, and I don't necessarily expect monetization for that. It's more about um, knowing that that connection that those individuals are making is something that gives back to me. So that's probably my primary reason. Thank you. Can I ask for a round of applause for our first answer to the question of Critical Mass Speaker Series this evening at California State University Fullerton? I'm going to move around in the prepared questions just because I'm the moderator and I have the ability to do that. So, JJ, we're going to go to question number five that we have on our list because I don't want to leave you out. I want to have you participate in this one. And the question that we put together is, I wonder if you could share for our audience any relevant statistics that you might have on women in business. You know, just so happens I have a few. What a coincidence. So here are a few. And one is, uh, some of these are actually uh, fairly stunning, but 29% uh, of businesses in the U.S., non-farm businesses, by the way, are uh, owned by women, and that contributes about $1.2 trillion to the economy. Not bad, huh? S almost 18% of Fortune 100 
corporate boards of directors are women. Uh, sounds like they're sadly underrepresented there, yeah. right? Because uh, if I recall, about half of our society is made up of women, something like that, right? 7.8 uh, million women uh, own businesses in the U.S. Uh, one in 11 adult women would be described as uh, entrepreneurial. Those are great statistics, but you're right. Based on the fact that half the population is female, the numbers don't quite equal that level of penetration, do they? Uh, the term would be they're underrepresented. Underrepresented. But that's changing, right? If you look at the number of CEOs, women that CEOs that are females in large corporations, whether they be S&P 500 or Fortune, it's about 4%. About 4% of the CEOs of large corporations are female. Uh, the good news is it used to be 2%. So the statistics suggest there's increasing, but it is yeah. still way underrepresented. Yeah, I, I can confirm that most of these stats that I just quoted have been on the rise for the past 10 years. Great. And uh, I saw a statistic that said by 2040, 2040, fully one-third of the CEOs of major corporations in this country are projected to be run by females. So it's going to take a while, but you're going to get to a third. So let's give a round of applause for that. And maybe tonight, some of you will be inspired that we can make that growth trend happen even more quickly. That's part of the goal that we have for this show. It's always good as a father to have a daughter to appreciate the challenges women face in business and in life. So let's continue to move on. I'd like to come back to uh, ask uh, Darcy, France, and Tommy Lee, what areas in business most highlight the contrasting approaches and behaviors between men and women. Can you think from your personal experience, what are a couple areas? And Tommy Lee, would you start that conversation for us, please? Uh, well, I think what, uh, many times men are considered assertive, and that is strength. If a woman is uh, associated with assertive, she might be considered pushy or bossy, uh, maybe picky. So... There's just different definitions in um, how we define personal strength uh, with men and women. I think also many times women are thought of as transformational uh, leaders, ones who work with teams and groups. Uh, men are considered more transactional by nature and project-oriented. Thank you very much, Tommy Lee. Darcy? I'm going to just add on to a couple of things to what Tommy Lee has said um, about women being considered transformational leaders, whereas men tend to be more transactional leaders. Transformational really means that women work more collaboratively and they like to have teams and get group input before they decide what to do and then empower people to do it and go on with that, whereas men tend to say, this is what we're going to do, and here's your bonus if you get that done, and here's your punishment if you don't. So the good news for women is that transformational leadership has been proven over and over again to be more effective. So there's a little neuroscience that goes along with this that um, shows that women have a greater capacity. Women's brains are simply more wired for empathy and communication. Our left and right brains communicate better with one another, so we're not so divided in the workplace. 
So this is in part what leads to those great transformational leadership abilities if women will use those skills of empathy and communication. They're better at reading emotional cues and actually better at getting people to work together. Now, for every generalization, there is an exception, and Rick is the exception to that in the men's world. <laughs> France, what final thoughts on this question? Sure, a little bit different. I think in my experience, and again, I, I've mentored men and women, and, and most of the time I've been a woman in a man's world. At one point, I was the only female in this country running an orthopedic company, CEO of an orthopedic sports medicine company. Women are not as confident as men are on the outside. Men exhibit more confidence. When I've been asked to run a company, I've had self-doubts. And I think a lot of that is internal. I will take the position, and then I'll say, what have I done? I've gotten myself into something. How can I possibly succeed? Every single time, I would never show this to my employees, but every single time I succeeded in a big way, too. Men are considered to be more risk takers. Men are also considered less transient. Women, I was told my very first management role, and I'm talking about personal experience because I've worked for over 30 years in healthcare. I was told by HR not to hire women of childbearing age. And I was a woman of childbearing age. And that's because they were saying we couldn't groom these women to be leaders because they were going to leave to have babies, etc. And um, I think a lot of us have proven that's not the case. But I think we all need to be more, like, like I think Darcy was saying, we are very much in tune and working we know how to develop people, work in great teams, and really push ahead to a, a successful exit. I'd like, to, I'd like to ask the audience to give them a round of applause for a thoughtful set of answers to a difficult question. It's time for us to take our first commercial break, so if you're listening to us live on octalkradio.net, don't go anywhere because we'll be right back in a few short minutes, but we need to have our advertisers join us on the program, so stay tuned. We'll be right back after these words from our valued sponsors. If you are an Orange County CEO or a business owner, this message is for you. Do you ever feel isolated with no place to turn for advice or feedback? Who holds you accountable to your commitments in your company? Where do you find the right resources to help you and your company grow? If you have had these questions, then Critical Mass for Business might be the answer for you. Critical Mass for Business is committed to helping you make better decisions through the power of peer learning. These are groups of peers who are running businesses just like you. CEO Peer Groups provides a great sounding board to test fresh ideas and new concepts, review your strategic plans and tactical goals, and present issues and opportunities for a critical discussion. The result is improved strategy, accountability, and improved business results. If you are interested in learning more, go to www.criticalmassforbusiness.com and learn about our CEO Peer Groups. CEO Peer Groups is a registered trademark of Critical Mass for Business. Are you looking for your successor? Someone as dedicated and experienced in their field as you? Executives Unlimited delivers the top executive talent you need for your company's long-term success. 98% of our clients re-engage us for additional hires and over 90% of the executives placed by us since 2007 are still in their positions or have been promoted. That's twice the industry's average retention rate. How do we do this? 
dedication. Executives Unlimited believe success isn't success until it's long-term. Call us to invest in your long-term success. 562-627-3800 or visit us at executivesunlimited.com. Let our long-term success leverage yours. Hey, did you know that over 73% of consumer packaged goods and retail products fail miserably within their first year? Why? Because they find themselves in the pit of unawareness. You don't want to go there. Call me and I'll make sure that your packaging gets noticed. You know how I know? Because I'm the founder and creative director of MBN Design. We're one of Orange County's most established and trusted design firms. With over 20 years of experience, I can ensure that your brand will always stay new. Ask me how our packaging sold millions in months or see for yourself other success stories on our website at www.mbndesign.com We're MBN because we're making brands new. Call 714-458-8701 and talk to me, Hector Garcia that's myself 714-458-8701 I'll be waiting for your call So this is our live speaker series. We're today at California State University Fullerton in the Mahalo College, a beautiful, brand new, stunning building, and our host is the Center for Entrepreneurship. Thank you to our live audience for participating in this live show. I'd also like to thank those of you that listen to our show as a podcast. Many of you do that through iTunes, Stitcher, and various other podcasting services. In the last 30 days, you've downloaded over 16,000 episodes of Critical Mass radio shows, both our live speaker series with our local colleges as well as our in-studio that airs every week live on octalkradio.net. If you'd like to be able to subscribe to the podcast, as we've told you earlier in the show, just type in Critical Mass Radio Show in your podcasting software, iTunes, Stitcher, whatever it might be, and up will come our episodes, and you can listen to them every week after we've aired them. All right, let's get back to the panel and the conversation. The subject matter for tonight's show is a provocative one, successful women and how they think differently in business. So, Darcy, I'd like to come to you and maybe ask you to spend a couple minutes. As a trainer for women entrepreneurs, what are the biggest challenges that most women leaders and executives report to you? And have you experienced these same obstacles in your professional career? I'll answer the second question first. Yes. <laughs> um, some of the big, biggest obstacles that I have seen, uh, a couple of quick ones, not thinking big enough. Um, studies have shown that um, an entrepreneur's success is determined to a great degree by how big their vision is, and sometimes women just don't think big enough from the beginning. Another obstacle is that women have a hard time investing in their own professional and personal development, and men seem to make that decision more easily. But I want to really tag on to what France talked about, which I think is really the critical factor, and that is the confidence factor. Uh, research studies have proven over and over again that um, women do struggle with self-doubt. Confidence is different from self-esteem. Confidence is the belief that you can succeed even, even in the face of obstacles. So there are a lot of factors that contribute to this, and, and being able to be resilient is um, something that is a huge factor in successful women becoming successful. So these are some of the challenges that 
that I see. Do we have time for me to mention a brief experiment? I think, how could I say no after you said how that? How could you say no? <laughs> um, a psychologist named Zach Estes did a series of experiments uh, with men and women. And um, in one experiment, he asked a group of men and women to answer a specific list of questions. And men and women scored equally in their responses. They got, they, each gender got about 80% right. What he did next was ask them, before they answered the next set of questions, to also describe how confident they felt about their answers. Women's scores dropped to 73%. The men's scores increased to 93%. So when you, when you factor in that, um, what France was talking about, what women are actually thinking to themselves about their own level of confidence, that's when you see that go down. So that is a factor that women really need to work on is developing their own uh, confidence and their own resilience. I, I want to bring those points. Thank you for sharing that. And I want to bring that to both uh, the other female members of our panel. I'll start with you, Tommy Lee. Based on what you heard uh, Darcy just talk about, can you give us your personal experience and how you might connect to those challenges and face that? Well, one of the areas that I always find fascinating, and I interview both men and women every day, and these are executives. They're qualified. They're, they're well-educated. They're articulate. And I will ask a man what his W-2 compensation was for that particular year. And he, they never take a breath. They never think. They just blurt out a number. And typically, it's 25% higher than they actually make. It may even be 35% higher. But they just say it with such confidence. And then I ask a woman, same question, same job, same level of education, or maybe even better. And might even have more experience. And she has to think about the answer. And she's not really sure, but she loves her job. Of course, she's really not looking for a job. And she isn't selling herself to me. So typically, she understates her income by somewhere between 10 and 20%. So a few years ago, I was really quite upset by this because I thought, you know, how can I get women to really understand that they need to understand how much money they make and that it needs to be something that's important? They don't need to fudge the numbers like men do, but they certainly need to come up with an answer and be confident about it. But again, it goes back to, um, yes, they're detail-oriented, but they're not there to sell themselves. And the number isn't as important as the value that they feel from the work that they do and the people that they work for and the fact that they are actually progressing in their career. But progression for a woman many times doesn't necessarily mean monetization. It means that I enjoy who I work with, what I do, and life is good. Thank you very much. France, would you add to the conversation as a... Okay, you can give her a round of applause. Yeah, I don't mean to... Hey, I'm never going to choke off applause. Sorry about that. France? Yeah, sure. And for me, it's real-world experience once again. This is a, it's a man's world, and it's a boys' club out there as a senior-level executive, and I've raised a lot of money. The venture capital industry is still very much a boys' club. There's very, very few women um, VCs out there. So every time I've gone out to raise a round of financing, you know, 10 to $20 million range, 
I've had to bring, and I've done this to overcome, I've, I've brought men with me because I have these men on my board of directors and I also have men as senior execs. I hire the right person for the job. I'm very gender blind. I wish the whole world was. I hire whoever is the right person. But that has been very, very tough as a CEO. And also I was telling JJ, I serve on a lot of boards, corporate boards, and nine out of ten times when I've been on a board, I'm the only female on that board. What does that feel like to be the only female on a board? I'm used to it. I've served on boards for at least no more than 20 years now and I'm used to it. I learned that I have to speak loudly to be heard because I remember an experience where there was a man next to me at the board. Uh, I said something. No one responded. He stood, he boisterously said the exact same thing and everyone said, great idea. Well, that's what we're going to do and I'm serious about this and I will never forget that. So I'm quite outspoken. I say what I, I always come in there with the facts and I know what I'm going to say and um, I think I have a lot of respect on the boards where I serve. Interesting. A round of applause, please. So I would ask the members of our live audience here at Cal State Fullerton, as well as those of you that are listening to us online on octalkradio.net, think about a time when you were in, with a group and you were the only one of whatever you were at the time, whatever that might be. And what, how does that make you feel as far as just recognizing that you're the only one of whatever you are that's in that group? It makes it a bit of a challenge, I would think. And I want to thank you for sharing that experience because that's really a powerful example. And I'm sure the other members of our panel have similar experiences where they, too, were part of sort of maybe the only one in their group. Can, can, let's turn it a different way. And um, I'll start with you, Tommy Lee. Uh, are there any self-imposed barriers? Being a woman, we sort of had this conversation about being the only one. Can you, can you share with us, from your perspective, any self-imposed barriers that women bring into the business world? And then I'll ask the other two if you could contribute to that as well. Sorry to put you on the spot as being the first one, Tommy. Lee, no, that's all right. Self-imposed barriers. Well, I think we go back to confidence and how uh, that woman is perceived by others and how they perceive themselves. I think that uh, if uh, the woman gets hung up on what others are thinking about them, uh, which women tend to be very analytical that way. They want to fit in. Men are kind of blind to that sometimes. Um, I, I think of men and women sometimes, I, I think of a brick wall. And let's say that brick wall is 10 feet high. And a man will come up to it, and if he wants to get through it, he's just going to break it down. I mean, it's just not a big deal. Or he's going to jump over it. A woman is going to measure it. She's going to look at it. She's going to have to, you know, see if she can walk around it. She's much more careful in how she's going to get through that wall. Those two characteristics actually can work very well together in a business environment. Right. As long as they're willing to understand those differences and to respect them. But the first thing you have to do is respect yourself. So I often, when I'm mentoring um, women and men and giving them advice it's more about how are you looking at yourself how do you feel about yourself and making them understand that that has to come first because it will come through in a room right away other people will read it right thank you very much Darcy would you like to add to that we're talking about self-imposed barriers I guess what I think about when I think about self-imposed barriers for women, it comes back to the, to the understanding that our greatest strengths become our greatest weaknesses when we overuse those strengths. So for we as women, 
our skills in communication and empathy and reading other people's emotions and being understanding and wanting to be liked. Those are all good things unless we overuse those strengths and then they become weaknesses and then it becomes more important to be liked than it does to be respected or taken seriously. So that's something that we have to moderate and know that it's not an either or, it's a both and. And as Tommy Lee said, it really comes back to the stories that we tell ourselves or stories that have been told to us where things have been scripted for us a long time ago, maybe in a way we didn't even understand when we were young. And I do think we have to recognize that it's um, it's up to us to rewrite our own stories, that we can't continue to look outside for someone to break that ceiling, that glass ceiling for us, that we have to be the ones that that do that for ourselves, that it's we're not pushing against something else. We have to find that internally. Thank you. France, thoughts on this subject? A little bit on that, Darcy. What Darcy just said, too, is... What I see happening is that women are, you know, it might be 20, 40 before we are a third of the CEOs of this company, but it may be sooner than that, too. Women have now overpassed men in the numbers in medical schools, law schools, and Ph.D. programs. And that is a fact, and I'm thrilled with that. I am. And that means we, we realize we have the potential and obviously the, the capacity to learn and to move ahead like men can. A lot of what we have issue with, and again, I'm, I was a superwoman of the 80s. I was very young and doing it all, is that balance of family and career and can we have it all. And yes, I missed a ton of my kids growing up because I was on a plane to Europe. I don't know how often and missed a lot, but I gave them a lot too. So... Um, I think, you know, I had the confidence to know I could do it. I knew I was extremely bright, and I just kept pushing ahead and seeing how far I could go. And the first company I decided to start, it was after I said to myself, I'm tired of being number two to a man all the time. I mean, I have these men, you know, they're the CEO of the company. I'm feeding them the information. I'm, they're taking credit for me. I can do this myself. And that's when I started that. Testify, ladies. Hallelujah. Can I get an amen from the audience? Yeah, JJ, Francis answered key to question that I hadn't thought of till just right now, but you have direct experience working through the Center of Entrepreneurship with both male and female students. From your recent experience in, in instructing these bright minds here at Fullerton, are, are you starting to see any trends or anything as it relates to the subject matter that we're talking about today that you'd like to bring into the conversation? Well, I think that uh, when it comes to the classroom, the women are uh, superior students, all right? Uh, At a a university level, they they outnumber uh, the men. Uh, When you uh, walk over to the business school, the participation by women goes down a bit. And in fact, in entrepreneurship, which uh, maybe has a certain machismo to it, uh, the participation uh, by women is uh, even less. It's something that uh, I think is an opportunity within education uh, to encourage more women to uh, to step up and to uh, take on the the task of creating a new venture and and, and taking that risk. 
Uh, and that's not just uh, the university's job. That's society's job to say that it's okay to go do that. Thank you, John. Can I give a round of applause for John and the panel? All right. It's time for us to take our second commercial break here on Critical Mass Radio Show. So if you're listening to us on octalkradio.net, don't go anywhere because we still have a lot of great conversation to be had with this conversation. So stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be right back in just a few minutes after these words from our valuable sponsors. Successfully navigating the changing world of public relations and digital marketing requires an experienced, tenacious, yet gracious team. In business for more than 20 years, Orange County-based T&N Company delivers big agency results with personalized service. For more information, call us at 714-536-8407 or visit us online at tnco.me. Richard Franzis is the author of two popular business books for CEOs. His first book, Critical Mass, The Ten Explosive Powers of CEO Peer Groups, was the first book ever written on the secret value of CEO peer groups. His second book, now with newly updated information, is Critical Mass, The Power of CEO Guiding Principles. Richard's books contain powerful information to help CEOs running middle market companies gain valuable insights to improve their decision-making skills. Richard's books are available as paperbacks or Kindle versions from Amazon.com. To find them, type Richard Franzi in the search box. Are you ready to tap into the power of social media to promote your business? It's easy to get social with Turn Up the Volume, the award-winning social media marketing professionals who know how to get results. Drive web traffic, boost sales, get social today. Visit www.turnupthevolume.com. That's turnupthevolume.com. When it comes to pioneers in their respective industries, we all know the Apples, Starbucks, and Trader Joe's of the world. In the realm of recruiting, Decision Toolbox is the industry's best-kept secret. With 90% of their business from referrals and repeat customers, for over 20 years, Decision Toolbox's U.S.-based team of recruiters, sourcers, professional writers, quality personnel, and tech support has perfected a Six Sigma approach to talent management. No matter the size of the project, Decision Toolbox delivers incredible results. A cost per hire less than half of what contingency firms charge. With the winning candidate presented in an average of 14 days. All with a 12-month candidate warranty. With results like that, Decision Toolbox won't be a secret for long. Visit us at www.dtoolbox.com for more information. Oh, you're too kind. You're too kind. You're listening to Critical Mass Speaker Series. I'm your host, Rick Franzi. We're having a panel discussion live from the Cal State University Fullerton's campus. We're in the Mahalo College in the beautiful building. I'd like to thank the Center for Excellence and for Entrepreneurship for being our host tonight. It's a wonderful privilege to be here on campus with so many smiling faces. And it's not even the school semester, right? You're You're still on break. 
So that all starts, what, next week, JJ? It starts on Tuesday. There will be no parking. Thank you. Yes, that's why we had it today, ladies and gentlemen. Thank JJ for the planning, clearly. For those of you that are listening online and for those of you that are here in the audience, there's a flyer on your table. It's about our 1,000th interview show. Yes, we'll be doing our 1,000th interview, Critical Mass Radio Show. Thank you. It's a a live event at the Center Club in Costa Mesa. There's information on criticalmass4forbusiness.com. Our special guest that evening will be Wing Lam, CEO and one of the founders of Wahoo's Fish Taco. The conversation that we're going to have with Wing that evening is business lessons learned from the Great Recession, right? We all learned some very valuable lessons through those tough years, and we're going to be talking about that with Wing. You're invited to come. This is an invitation-only event, so consider yourself all invited. We'd love to see you there. We're going to have 100 or so people that are going to be there. After the live radio show, we're going to have a networking, tray past hors d'oeuvres and some wine and refreshments. It's going to be a great evening. We'd love to see you all there on February the 11th for our 1,000th interview radio show with guest Wing Lam. Okay. So let's get back to asking the panel some questions so that we can continue. And I see that we have one gentleman, one brave gentleman in the audience, who's who's going to ask the question after we go to the audience or to the panel with this question. question. Uh, Panelists, a question that's fair to ask, and what's your answer to it? Can women have it all? And which one of you brave panelists would like to start to answer that? France, can I ask you to share your thoughts? Can women have it all? I'm not shy. I believe I have it all. I have had an amazing career. I felt sorry for myself when I was first a Cal State Fullerton student because I put myself through and had to work three jobs and all that and didn't have any fun. But my career has been stellar, and I believe I've been giving back, which has been really important to me to do so. I've raised amazing kids that have also are in their own stellar careers right now. Uh, and um, I no one thing is my first marriage broke up because of my success I was out earning my husband very very quickly in my career and it really bothered him for some reason and men nowadays I don't believe think that way at all I would have loved it (laughs) I second that emotion Yeah. yeah Yeah, so that was that was hard to live with I used to hide raises and hide promotions from him because I knew how he resented it, and finally that marriage ended. But I believe we can have it all. I mean, why not? And um, now I'm in a different chapter of my life, and I am trying to push as many men and women to to achieve everything they they dream of and everything they want to be. Thank you. Darcy, would you feel free to comment on that question? Well, I believe I'd ask the question in a little different way um, because all means different things to different people uh, and particularly to women. So um, my tagline for my company was helping each woman achieve her version of success. So I don't feel like it was up to me to define what success looked like for each woman. I know women who have chosen not to be married. I've known women who've chosen not to have children. And I've known women who took a more traditional role with marriage and children and careers and starting their own businesses. So I think the way I would ask the question is, can you have what you want? And the answer to that question is yes. The key is deciding what you want and defining that for yourself without allowing yourself to have that imposed by other people. Thank you. 
Tommy Lee. <laughs> it's hard to follow that. Touche. <laughs> uh, you know, I think of uh, my life. I've got five kids. Uh, they are all one year apart. I. Um, Let's give her a round of applause. Yeah. Let's, come on. <laughs> I am extraordinarily grateful uh, for my family, uh, my happiness, and the gifts, the many gifts. Can I have it all? Again, it, it, it really has to do with we all get 100%. So consider that pie 100% or that 360 degrees, and you just divide it differently based on what your own personal requirements are for life. So if you're a mom and you're out there and you're busting your tail, or you're a dad and you're out there and you're busting your tail, you get 100%. So whether you have five kids, four kids, no kids, whether you got a wife or a husband or whatever it is that you got, you only can get so much time. It's that 100%. So how you divide it is a choice that you make, and you will live with those choices. So you have to figure out balance. So it's not just about work. It's not just about being a man or a woman in the workplace. It's about what you give back. Because everything you give back in life, you get back. Thank you. Round of applause for the panel. <laughs> Paul, I see we have Felipe. Would you stand up, I Felipe? I do. We have a question here. If we can get him to speak up, this mic's a little low here. So, Felipe, identify yourself and ask your question. Hello. Good evening. My name is Felipe Rodriguez. I'm an undergraduate physics student here. Okay, this question is for Darcy. You mentioned that women have a hard time investing in their own personal development, and you listed self-awareness as a characteristic that led to your success. And you worked hard to develop your self-awareness. How did you invest your time, energy, and money towards your self-development? Now you're really putting me on the spot. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to be really honest here. Seven years of therapy <laughs> and seven years of writing lessons, and I learned more about myself on the back of a horse than I learned in seven years of therapy. Because if women want to understand their relationship with power, put a hundred pound woman on the back close enough, don't you think? <laughs> Maybe a little more now. Um, Put a 100-pound woman, 120-pound woman, 150-pound woman on the back of a 1,200-pound horse and tell her you're in charge. And you begin to understand what power is really like. It's not about being domineering. It's not about being cruel. It's not about being abusive. It's not about... It is about being in control, but you do that through communication and cues and learning to speak in the horse's language. So that's why I say I learned more about myself in the money I invested in writing lessons than I did in all those years in therapy. And I read a lot. I'd like Okay. I'd like to give I'd like to ask us to give Felipe a round of applause for being a brave soul and standing up and asking a question. Anybody else? We're looking for the up oh, in the back. Right back Stand up here. And tell us okay. your name. Please identify yourself and tell us who the question is directed towards. Hi, um, my name is America, and I am an accounting student as well as pursuing my own tech-based startup. This question is for France. So, 
Uh, it's more on the personal side, but I was wondering, how old were you when you founded your first company, and what was the outcome of that company? My first company was called Xenotech Laboratories. I was about 28 years old, and we sold that company to a giant called Medtronic. And I stayed with Medtronic as a senior level executive for seven years. I didn't realize how little I knew uh, because Xenotech had been just a great success. We made artificial heart valves for human implantation. And at Medtronic, I really cut my teeth and learned how to be an executive. France is special, by the way, because uh, most women entrepreneurs overwhelmingly are uh, aged 40 to 60. So to do it at that young of an age is very, very special. Sorry, JJ. Thank you. Anybody else brave enough? We Any other questions? For, in this segment, we have time for one more question from the audience. So right there the we go. Here. Okay. Please identify yourself and tell us who the question is aimed at. This would be again for Fran. I'm Michelle. Um, you know, so many women try to, like, get on corporate boards. Did you go through a process for that? Were you asked? What was your process to be able to serve and get on a corporate board? I'm curious. Thank you for the question, Michelle. I've been asked. I've been asked to join boards. And several of the boards that I am on, I was actually asked because I was first asked to be the CEO of the company, and I turned down those CEO positions, and then they asked if I would consider serving on the boards. And I do my own due diligence, obviously, on anything I'm involved in, and I'm involved in a lot right now. But uh, if I like the executive team, if I like the strategy or where the company is headed, and uh, the other members of the board, because that's huge when you're serving on one, then I have said yes and I serve. I also, though, I leave boards when I decide that uh, I disagree morally or ethically or any other way, that uh, it's not for me anymore, then I will resign from a board as well. Thank you, France. All right. We're going to... Okay, go ahead. I hate, don't ever let me talk. Just because I'm talking doesn't mean you can't applaud. We can do both. Matter of fact, it's better when we do it that way. All right. We're going to take our third and final commercial break here on Critical Mass, our radio show. This is our speaker series at California State University at Fullerton. We're going to... Don't go anywhere if you're online listening to us live because we're going to come back and we've got some great questions for the final segment. I don't want to say we saved for the best for last because I don't think that's true, but we saved great content for the next segment. So don't go anywhere, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be right back after these words from our advertisers. Richard Franzi is the author of two popular business books for CEOs. His first book, Critical Mass, The Ten Explosive Powers of CEO Peer Groups, was the first book ever written on the secret value of CEO peer groups. His second book, now with newly updated information, is Critical Mass, the Power of CEO Guiding Principles. Richard's books contain powerful information to help CEOs running middle market companies gain valuable insights to improve their decision-making skills. Richard's books are available as paperbacks or Kindle versions from Amazon.com. To find them, type Richard Franzi in the search box. 
Let's face it, not all company challenges are the same, which is why strategic market intelligence can help identify the actionable information you need to be more competitive. Gain a better understanding of your brand, competition, best prospects, or new product opportunities to generate greater revenues in 2015. Call 949-357-9547 or visit www.strategicmarketintelligence.com. Wow. Marketing predictions are out for 2015, and marketing success is changing. Did you know that Google is now actively tracking your business and personal brand and online reputation? Online and offline marketing has changed. Google is driving more than 85% of your traffic. And if your brand is inconsistent or has poor mobile usability, your rankings and traffic can suffer in 2015. To learn how your business is currently viewed and what can be done to improve your brand's visibility and authority, contact SunUp Group for a free marketing analysis. It could be a business game changer. Visit www.sunupgroup.com today or call 877-609-3840, extension 700. Welcome back to Critical Mass Radio Show Speaker Series. I'm your host, Rich Franzi. Before we go any further, I'd like everyone in the audience and on the panel to give a round of applause to our live events manager, Asia Celestino. It's her father's birthday. She's working on her father's birthday. She's heading out to be a part of the celebration. Thank you very much for everything you've done, Asia. We wouldn't be here tonight without your help and leadership. Thank you very much. All right, I'd like to turn our attention back to JJ. You comfortable with that, JJ? I'm very comfortable with attention. All right. Can, can you share kind of from your understanding, what is the correlation between a diverse workforce, you know, that include women and other diversity, and productivity and company profits? You know, academically speaking, the answer is mushy. And, and, and that is there hasn't been a lot of evidence or research on diversity and its impact. But recently, a University of Illinois study was able to directly correlate an organization that increases its diversity, has a direct positive impact on revenue and on profits. Isn't that amazing? All right. And uh, of course, it's uh, in reaction to or subject to the changing demographics, maybe in our society as well. But I've got a real life example. So when I was in the capital markets, uh, I managed uh, 10 different regional offices. These were white-collar folks, unusual in that we work 24-7. When uh, a company wants to go public, you drop everything and make it happen. And so I would visit offices across the country. And uh, in a way, uh, my favorite office was San Diego because it was this swell group of guys, okay? <laughs> and they're all in their early 30s, you know, and... They had fun. They liked each other. After work, they went drinking beer. They were even on the same volleyball team. And they were really a, a tight-knit group, right? Uh, and then I had an office in San Francisco. And the office in San Francisco, we had gays, we had straights, we had Chinese, we had blacks, we had amputees. It was the most diverse group of folks I have ever seen. And you know what? They kicked San Diego's butt by about 50% every year in productivity. And I, I just I couldn't figure out why, what was going on. 
And it took me uh, a few years to figure it out, maybe a decade or two in my career, that a diverse organization could be a more productive organization. And the reason I think that is so is that diverse organizations have to slow down and communicate with each other. They have to listen to the other people. And with that, it gives them an opportunity to get on the same uh, playing field, come up with a plan, and then they can go implement. Meanwhile, the guys in San Diego, they had a great time. I think he deserves a round of applause for that answer. Don't we? Don't we agree? All right. So I'd like to... Darcy, you want to add something to that? I had a feeling like you wanted to say something. Am I, just, am I feeling you or am I wrong? Six global studies have proven that um, women with more leaders in senior positions are more profitable. Not only that, but female hedge fund managers outperform male hedge fund managers by three times. I mean, the bottom line results are three times greater. And uh, mon uh, money funds managed by women during the financial crisis um, did, mm, I might mess up the statistics on that, but uh, did not lose nearly as much money as men or did not lose money at all. So uh, it's, yeah, women, when they learn about money, they're great with money. All right. I had a sense that she wanted to add something to that conversation. I could see her you. top lip quivering there a little bit. Mind. Had to add something. <laughs> I loved it. All right. So let's move on. I'd like to ask the panel, and we can start with Tommy Lee. Uh, how can business leaders begin creating a more inclusive company culture, having heard what we just heard from JJ and from Darcy? Uh, well, inclusive is better than exclusive. So um, I think that uh, in order to create a more inclusive environment, I think you have to have training, first and foremost, within the company. And that needs to ensure mentors uh, for, all bo for both young men and women, uh, young leaders, uh, young leaders of promise in the organization, those that are managers. Uh, it's very important to um, have your individuals in a company also look outside to associations, to networking, um, so that they have a better understanding of what their competitive companies are doing. I think that information is just really important today, and we're getting a lot of it, but it's hard to disseminate what's the right information to follow. The better we are educated as to how to work together as teams, I think the better companies will do to perform. Thank you. France, I'm going to come down to you. What have you done in your career, and what would you recommend, and what have you seen other companies do to create a more inclusive culture? Sure. Uh, I think a lot of what Tommy Lee was just saying, of course, is for the midsize and larger companies. If you're entrepreneurs and starting out a company, I would say a few things. I said before, be gender blind. Recruit and hire the best person for the job. It doesn't matter what race, religion, color, gender they are. And also, I'll, I will say, don't hire friends and family if you're an entrepreneur. That's a just kiss of death. And those people are hardest to get rid of when they don't work out and you end up having a lot of issues. And that's something I've always done. Uh, the larger companies usually offer a lot of programs that you can. I'm, I'm part of an organization called HBA, Healthcare Business Women's Association. And we do a lot of mentoring for women who want to become senior level executives and so forth. And we have a lot of programs for them that we teach them 
how to do that. And we have just about, you know, we have every uh, race, religion, whatever, but that is exclusively for women. So for me, it always goes to hire the right person for the job. Excellent. Darcy? I think organizations, regardless of their size, have to be extremely vigilant about um, gender gender discounting or um, gender stereotyping, and this is pervasive, and um, I think I would really speak to the men in the room on, on this one. I read something absolutely shocking recently that at the U.S. Naval Academy, female students are, re- and this is now, I mean, this is current, female students are referred to by an, a- an acronym, D-U-B, dumb ugly, the B word. I'm just not going to say it on the radio. No, we don't want you to. (laughs) So um, that's now, and that behavior is tolerated, and it will only stop when the men speak to each other and make it stop. Thank you. JJ, what's your perspective on how companies can build a culture that's more inclusive? Yeah, I I think that uh, hiring the right people, of course, is where the action is, and there are some hiring traps that uh, Tommy Lee knows about where we tend to hire people that we like. And we, ha- we like that person because that person's like me. Isn't that <laughs> cool, right? And it's one of the biggest blunders you mm-hmm. can make. And so actually I think we have ample evidence tonight that diversity, uh, gender diversity, in addition to other elements of diversity, actually are productivity uh, boosts. So why wouldn't you make that a priority in your hiring? It only makes good business sense to hire people of uh, different genders, races, etc. Thank you. Can I ask for a round of applause for the answer to that question? <laughs> Darcy, I'm, I'm going to start with you, and I'm going to ask any of the other panel to chime in and add value to, the, to this question. What are your thoughts on Sheryl Sandberg's Lean In movement. In your opinion, do these messages ultimately help or hurt women? And if so, why and how? I think they unquestionably help. I know there's been a little bit of controversy about the book um, based on um, people assuming that Sheryl Sandberg herself has the wealth and the means to hire additional help and uh, mm-hmm. you know have help with her her family. But w- what I really hear Sheryl Sandberg saying to women is don't don't lean back. Don't take yourself out of the game. Be clear on what you want and know what you want, and be willing to, you know, with that metaphor, lean in. And, you know, speak up and ask for what you want, negotiate for what you want. Don't, don't continue that story in your head that says, um, I don't have enough experience, I don't have enough education, I'm not good at math, I'm, you know, whatever that um, unconscious message is, and that's where that self-awareness comes in. I think it's unquestionably helpful. Thank you. France, would you like to comment? Sure. Very brief comment on this. It's all about encouraging, inspiring, based on what we do well and not what we can't do. And to me, women need to build each other's confidence. I keep using that word. And we need to become a band of sisters. And that's what that's all about. Thank you. Tommy Lee? Well, um, I probably am one of the more controversial on um, um, 
on uh, Sandberg's book because uh, she has had an extraordinarily anointed life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that it's, it's harder for the working woman to really uh, relate. Uh, her resources are quite extraordinary. Um, on the other hand, there are women that I would look to and say, here's someone that uh, has really um, kind of scratched their way up to the top and, and, and represents, to me, extraordinary leadership, and that would be a woman like Mar- Martha McSally. Um, she's a, a recent Republican um, a representative, state representative since 2015. Uh, she was the first female fighter pilot to fly in combat. Uh, she was the first woman to uh, lead a fighter uh, as a commander of a squadron. Um, she, she's uh, extraordinary. She's very well educated. Um, and I look at her and I think, wow, that's someone that came from you know, less than a middle class background and, and has really moved up and, and has a balanced life, good leadership. And to me, she represents someone that we could all look to and say there's somebody that really has put a lot of effort in. Right. So. Thank you. Great conversation, great contribution. Yes, of course. Why not? All right. Uh, we have just a few minutes left here on Critical Mass. This is our radio show, which we call our speaker series. We're live from Cal State University Fullerton's campus. We're in a be- beautiful Mahalo building at the School of Business, and the Center for Entrepreneurship is our host for this evening's event. Uh, I would like to ask, what resources would you recommend? We have many younger faces in our audience, and I'm sure we have many entrepreneurs that are going to be listening to this radio show either live today or in the future as a podcast. What suggested resources would you help them, offer to them to help them in their career path? And France, may I ask you to start by contributing to that? Sure. Um, a network. You need to start building your own network of of other people that can help you and give back. And these are a network of strong women, leaders, people here. Start asking people for their business cards. Link in with them. LinkedIn is a great resource for so many different things. There's loads of associations and groups here in Orange County for women and for all kinds of uh, leadership. There's entrepreneurial programs at every single university that helps you uh, build your company, build your dreams, and all of us. Some are better are than others. But, uh. <laughs> Cal State Fullerton is shines above the others, of course. And once you have those women in your network, stay in touch with them. Keep in touch. Tell them what you're doing. Ask them for help. Don't be shy. There's all kinds of young. I, I call everyone young because I'm sort of old. So there's lots of young women who do that with me all the time. And and be bold. Don't be shy. And to me, that network will just keep building on itself because if I don't know the right person, I'll say, you know what, I don't, or if I'm not the right person, I'll introduce you to the right person and help you just keep growing from there. Thank you. Darcy? really want to echo what Francis said about the, the networks and for women supporting one another and uh, being there for one another. In addition to that, as I mentioned, I love to read, and I read a lot, and I... Um, one of my staff people actually came up with a little prescription pad that I used from Dr. Darcy because I always had a book as a prescription for someone. Two books I would highly recommend for women. One is The Confidence Code, written by Caddy Kay and Claire Shipman, both of them journalists. This is their second book that they've written together. And you will learn more about confidence in, in this book. It's just fabulous. The second book is written by Dee Dee Myers, who is the former uh, 
communications director for Bill Clinton. She was the youngest communications director in the history of the White House. And she wrote a book called Why Women Should Rule the World. So those are two books that I would highly recommend for every woman in the room. Thank you. Tommy Lee? Uh, Well, the first thing I would say is find a mentor. Uh, and you can find a mentor in many ways, but yeah, it's it's very important to uh, look to someone that can help you guide guide you. Another thing I would say to both uh, young men and women is dress for success. Um, present yourself professionally. Women uh, out of college, I I, and I I was the first to do this uh, when I finished uh, college and got my first job in a bank. I dressed like a man. Uh, I wore my dark suits, and sometimes I'd even wear a tie. I still wear a tie, though. I think they're cool. But, um, you know, I I really wasn't, you know, dresses I would have never been caught dead in a dress. Um, Now I look at life, and I go, wow, you know, I'm really embracing who I am and what I like, and it's not a man's suit. Um, And I I find that when I meet a lot of young women, they they think it's better to present themselves professionally, and their idea of professionally is looking more like a man's suit. I I recommend not doing that for an interview Um, or for any kind of meeting. Um, Chewing gum when you're at a meeting, please don't do it. Uh, Women mess with their hair all the time. They're always touching their hair. It's just crazy. I don't know why they're always touching their hair, but don't touch your hair. you know, think of things that you um, need to do. That you know, look at a mirror and wa- watch how someone else is looking at you. I find that uh, associations are very important. You need to be while you're in college and when you get out and as you're working. No matter how many hours you work, find an organization that helps you learn more about what you do and how you can do it better. And there will be mentors in those organizations that will be so excited to have you there because most of them are baby boomers. The other thing is look at the opportunity that you have as, uh, at your age. Millennials right now have the next five to ten years to really take over the world. It's extraordinary. People that are 38, 40 years old right now are taking over president positions, CEO positions for baby boomers who are retiring. But they're not really very well liked by the baby boomers. So most of the baby boomers are going to want to set them aside and go to the millennials. So they're looking for leaders. And so you're even though you come out of school and you may not be making very much money, in 10 years you could quadruple that amount of money that you're making. There's so much opportunity for you. Thank you. JJ, your thoughts? Yeah, and this is for the uh, young women in the audience, and you've had a lot of, uh, you've heard some spectacular women talk today. You've had a lot of advice from mom and dad about what you should and shouldn't do, and what you've got to do at this point in your life is basically take that advice and uh, push it aside and find out exactly uh, what your purpose is and what you want to do, and then attack it with a passion. Mm-hmm. You know, It's for you to discover it and for you to do it, and that includes cutting the cord with a lot of the programming that you've had from our culture about what you can't do. So just go do it. As your moderator, I want to thank Tommy Lee, Darcy, Franz, and JJ for 
agreeing to be on this panel tonight and freely sharing as much honest content as you've seen and experienced either live and here in the in the room or maybe online or as you're listening to us as a podcast. So please help me to say thank you to our panel by giving them another heartfelt round of applause. Thank you. When, when we were in our production planning meeting for this uh, conversation, all oh, those many months ago where we were here with JJ and, and Asia, we were talking that this could go very well or it had the potential to not go as well. And I think, I hope you would agree that this has gone well, and that's for one very good reason. We had an outstanding panel that was willing to share what they know and position themselves as role models for the rest of you in the audience. So again, thank you very much to all four of you panelists for giving of your time tonight. All right. The goal for this show is to help you, our listening audience of CEOs running middle market firms, to improve your decision-making skills. I'd like to thank Asia Celestino as she had to leave uh, because she's going to her father's birthday party, our live events manager. Uh, Melissa Padani, who's our social media manager, who's probably been out doing some social media activity while we've been doing this live broadcast. In the, in the back of the room is our vice president of sales, Rose Chamara. Thank you, Rose. Nice to see you. Thank you for being here. Uh, if you'd like to connect with me, Rick Franzi, Richard Rick Franzi on LinkedIn, that's how you find me. I'd be happy to connect, and if I can help you with my network to make connections for you, I'd be very uh, proud to be able to do that. Uh, I'd also uh, suggest that you follow us in your podcasting software. Critical Mass Radio Show is how you get our our updates on a weekly basis, and my Twitter handle is CEO Peer Groups. If you'd like to learn more about Critical Mass for Business and our upcoming schedule of guests and live events in the community, visit our website, which is Critical Mass for which is for business.com. Until the next show, I hope that all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction. You have been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show Business Talk Show, focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies. With your host, Richard Franzi. 